Welcome to It's Your Hormones, the podcast that delves into how your hormones affect every aspect of your life. I'm Dr. Sahar Roked. I've been a doctor for almost 20 years, and I'm a GP who's been working with patients with hormonal issues for 10 years. Let's dive in. So, here's my bugbear that I wanted to share with you today. Yes, I am a hormone doctor, and the majority of people come to see me to get prescribed hormones for perimenopause and menopause, period problems, fertility issues, and men's health too. But my bugbear is often I see people who have seen other hormone doctors first, and the answer is always just to give more hormones if the symptoms aren't resolving. This is not my approach. I mean, sometimes it is, based on history and testing. But often, if the hormones don't seem to be working, or especially if they were working for a while and now they've stopped working, the answer is not necessarily more hormones. What else is going on in the body and how can we balance it? This is something I wanted to talk to you guys about today. So, here are some of my top tips to help balance your hormones other than just taking hormones. Number one, and I believe Always, it should be number one, probably in every area of your life. So the first step is what you're eating, your nutrition. This is super important because what you're eating can really affect your hormone balance and your hormone absorption. Good diet for hormone balance involves healthy fats and also some carbohydrates and protein. Healthy fats are really important as all hormones are made from cholesterol. When you're menopausal, you can get a high cholesterol because you're not making hormones anymore. However, to balance your hormones, you should be getting good healthy fat into your system, like avocados, olive oil, nuts, coconut oil, wild salmon. These are all healthy fats. Carbs can often be important too. I'm not talking about eating a loaf of bread, but healthy carbs, especially those that you get from vegetables and even some fruits like berries. There's nothing wrong with a small amount of carbohydrates such as bran rice or potatoes or sweet potatoes. Often in menopause, blood sugars can become irregular and a little bit of slow-release carbohydrates can help to balance this. It's sugar that's the main enemy. It's my major enemy too. But having your sugars in balance will make a huge difference to how you experience your hormonal symptoms, your energy, your mood, focus, concentration and sleep, and with all major symptoms that can be affected by menopause. I'm also never popular for saying this, but alcohol is not your friend. If you really want to achieve hormone balance, you probably need to stop drinking alcohol. I know this is a big ask for many people, and if it's not possible, I would really recommend restricting it to one to two days a week and having no more than two glasses. So alcohol is alcohol at the end of the day, but it can affect women in different ways. So if you are going to have a drink, perhaps go for a slimline tonic and vodka and gin, because wine has a lot of sugar in it. This then goes on to affect the hormone balance in so many ways, but then also your sugar, and this affects what you eat, and you can feel not so good and then crave unhealthy foods like carbs and also fried foods or takeaways. Culturally, especially in the West, it's so normal to drink on a regular basis, However, that is changing with more non-alcoholic options, which can make it feel less weird when you're out and about, when you're not just drinking Diet Coke. Number two is exercise. Exercise is vitally important at this time of life. 
What that exercise looks like will be different for different people based on how you're currently feeling. If you're someone who's always done HIIT training, then keep going. But if you're feeling a lot of fatigue, you might be better just to do walking in nature and perhaps Pilates or strength training. I saw a patient recently who was having problems with her periods and had been advised to stop her intensive exercise. However, this is really a huge part of her lifestyle and identity, so she wasn't feeling as good, as exercise was obviously releasing happy hormones like oxytocin. So we decided to bring back some cardio exercise for her, not at such a high intensity, but doing a little bit of jogging and shorter bursts of cardio. Weight training is particularly important in menopause and perimenopause, as this helps your muscle mass and gives your bone density a boost. Weight-bearing exercise, which is where you have impact through your bones, such as such as running or jumping, is also important as this is a key factor in preventing osteoporosis, which is a major killer for women over 70. I'm not even exaggerating this. What happens is that women can have a fall and then get a fracture due to the osteoporosis and go to hospital and then never come out, perhaps due to complications of the surgery or a hospital-acquired infection. Exercise is vital at every stage of life, but especially in the midlife. Number three, getting your 30 a week. So this is also related to food. The five a day of getting your fruit and veg, at least five portions of fruit and veg a day is now out. And I've always thought it's a bit of a low estimation anyway. But what is now backed by scientific research is getting 30 a week which means you have 30 different fruits, vegetables, spices or herbs over a week. And this is great for your immune system and also for your gut microbiome. I think this is a great way to add variety to your diet. I've started doing it recently after reading the research and I have found it makes me make different choices when I'm eating. As before, I might have had the same smoothie every day or the same salad for lunch. But now to get my 30 a week, I want to mix it up and try different variations for salad and smoothies. It's an important factor in menopause as the Zoe study has looked at 25,000 women and found that those who have a whole food plant-based diet, meaning they have lots of fruit and veg and whole foods, not necessarily that they're vegetarian or vegan, had a 60% reduction in hot flushes and 30% less disturbed sleep. This is regardless of taking HRT or obesity or their weight. So it really does show the power of a balanced, varied diet with lots of whole foods and fruit and veg. Number four is stress. When I see someone who tells me that their HRT is no longer working, I normally think it's either due to their gut health or stress. In terms of stress, it's really important to look at what's going on in your health. Is it work stress, family stress, things going on at home or in your personal life? Is it stress that you're putting on yourself? The reason why this is important is because cortisol, if it is high, can make your hormones feel less effective. What this means is that even if you have good levels of hormones on testing, you may feel like you don't. And it also affects your thyroid, not just your HRT. So it's really important to work on balancing your stress hormones. The well-regarded psychotherapist and doctor, Dr. Gabor Mate, says he often asks patients, what is your body saying no to that you are not? 
So if you continue to feel unwell when your bloods are normal, perhaps your body is telling you that something you're currently doing, someone you're seeing, a person in your life, a habit you have is not working for you and something is out of balance. I'm a huge advocate of the supplement ashwagandha, but often supplements alone are not going to rectify your cortisol. It really is about going deep and looking at the changes you can make in your life that are not overwhelming but can be challenging. Is this getting up 20 minutes early and doing some yoga and meditation? Is it cutting something out of your diet like too much sugar? Is this going to bed half an hour earlier and turning off all screens an hour before? Is this having a difficult conversation about something that's playing on your mind? A few years ago, I was in a situation which meant that I couldn't sleep. It was keeping me awake a lot and I was waking up very early. I didn't want to see that this situation was the problem in my life. But once I'd had that difficult conversation, even though it was painful at the time, my sleep issue resolved immediately. Your body is always a good tell of what's going on in your system. Number five, gut health. As I said, if someone tells me they're not feeling better despite being on good HRT and having good levels, and how do I know they're on a good dose and absorbing the hormones without testing, of course, then I would always look to stress hormones or gut health first. Perhaps there's a parasite, an imbalance of bacteria. Perhaps there's an increase of gut permeability, which is also known as leaky gut, which basically means that the gut is so inflamed you're not absorbing your nutrients and some microparticles may be entering the bloodstream. Perhaps you need digestive enzymes to help you digest your food better and therefore get the benefits of your nutrition. Perhaps you need probiotics. I see a lot of people with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and do testing for this. And basically, this can cause severe bloating, which is higher up in the abdomen, and tiredness. Obviously, if you're taking some oral hormones, having gut health issues could also be affecting the absorption. So I think it's really important to consider your gut health and your gut microbiome if you're not feeling good. Lastly, number six, supplements. Supplements should be exactly that, a supplement to good lifestyle and healthy habits. But there's no doubt that tailored supplementation can help. For example, one of the things I do and offer my patients is vitamin and mineral testing. Therefore, for myself and for my patients, I know if what I'm taking in terms of supplements is absorbing and what I'm deficient in. I've also done myself and offer my patients some genomic testing, and this can again influence what you take. For example, I don't do something well called methylation, and this is a genetic process of converting B vitamins either from your supplements or your diet and conjugating them by adding a methyl group. And without this, the body can't absorb the B vitamins that you need to process your hormones, make antioxidants, absorb vitamin D, balance your stress hormones and improve your heart health. So because I know I don't do this well and I have some genetic snips, as we call them, that means I don't do this well genetically, I always take a methylated B supplement and probably need to do so for the rest of my life. Through gene testing, I also found I don't make enough of an important antioxidant called glutathione, and I also need magnesium. So I take these as supplements and feel assured that they're actually doing something good for me. But as a general guidance, if you can't do these testings, I do recommend magnesium, zinc, B6, 
vitamins, such as a B-complex, and a fish oil to most of my women with hormone imbalances. And I think this is a good starting point. And of course, vitamin D, especially in the winter. The B vitamins, as I said, help you balance the hormones, as do magnesium and zinc. And vitamin D is actually also a hormone and can really impact your mood and energy. I hope you found this episode helpful and gives you a starting point to improve your hormonal health, whether you're on HRT or not. Thanks for tuning in this week to It's Your Hormones. Join me again next week to hear more real-life stories about how hormones can affect you and what you can do about it. See you next week. Hold up. 